0: Hi, I'm Allison Goldwyn, moderator of the Dawn of an Era of Well-Being podcast series hosted by Irvin Laszlo and Fred Sow. Our very first episode featured iconic powerhouse Hazel Henderson. Interviewing her was like riding a comet, brilliant, breathless, bold. She recently went, quote unquote, virtual, her words having passed away on May 22, 2022. And we're honoring her legacy with a few words from another legend whose long-standing kinship with her is really worth noting. Irvin Laszlo, would you share with us your first impressions upon meeting Hazel?
1: Well, when I first met Hazel, it was at a meeting in the United States. I think it was in Washington. It was for business people, mostly CEOs, high-level business people. Very tough, you know, practical guys. At that time, you know, I don't know how many, 30 years or more ago, it wasn't much question about about side effects or, or concern with the environment, and so it was all considered very soft. So these, these were these these tough people, just looking for ways and to consult each other, find out ways, better ways that they can make profit and they can out out compete the others. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, in this meeting, from the public. Uh, from, from a panel actually, stood up, a blonde, beautiful blonde, with a very English accent, and started talking. And as and people first said, what's she doing here? You know, I mean, this is this is not a it's kind of a, a, a popular beauty contest kind of a show, uh, and, but they started talking. And soon or later, everybody started listening. You know, they, they went quiet and listened because what she said was unusual at the time, way ahead of its time, but instinctively people found intuitively that it makes a lot of sense. Watch out what our business is doing, how it uses its resources, find out that it's, remember that it's a finite resources, that we can use them all together, everybody has a right to them, and uh, how how are ways that we can do that, we can do economics as as Schumacher says, as if people mattered. And that was sort of what Hazel always came forth with, championed doing economics, doing resource use as if people, as if humanity mattered. So she is a a brilliant pioneer and carried this forward with founding so many things uh, that can actually put in practice what she was saying. She was a practitioner at the same time, a brilliant business leader as well as a visionary. She cannot be replaced, but her thought, her spirit can, lives on and has to carry further fruit, has to blossom, so that we could all blossom together. Hazel was a great person, is a great person, because a person she stays with us, and we are honoring her now by talking about her, but then also in our life, in our activities, honoring her by remembering the advice she gave, the channels that she opened for doing business as if we all mattered on this planet.
0: A force of nature indeed. That is Hazel Henderson, and I say is because she's still here with us in a different form and uh, we're celebrating her energy. In season two, Tail light shines brightly with a constellation of new interviews we're now recording from guests like Deepak Chopra, even Alexander and Karen Newell, Dawson Church, Jean Houston, and Annabelle Smitsman, and many more. We'll continue to bring you uplift with insight, and look forward to being with you soon. Till then, stay tuned and stay attuned. Now here's an excerpt of
2: Hazel from her appearance on our show.
0: How, both of you perhaps can address this. How can we help people to understand that there really isn't a dissension because people are, are hearing one thing, but they're seeing another. And if they see a great, a great nation like China, much like a great nation that has been the U.S., saying, okay, now we will show you the new way. And even if it's a beautiful way, Aren't people going to react? Aren't they going to have a resistance because we're still ingrained in that competitive uh, model as, as a human being? It's been so entrenched for so long. Can you both address that dynamic, how we can overcome that?
2: I would love to. Yes, Alison, I I would love to jump in on that. And I have to say, I agree with everything my friend just stated. (laughs) (laughs) It's really very interesting. I didn't expect to get into this kind of discussion. But I wrote an article which is circulating right now among um, Wall Streeters mostly Wall Streeters, <laughs> and it's called um, ESG, which is, means Environment, social, Society, and Governance, which is the way we are trying to steer capitalism, you know, toward the, quote, stakeholder model. So mm-hmm. my article is called ESG, Stakeholder Capitalism, and China's Common Prosperity. And I point out, I've been to China many, many times, mostly at the invitation of the state council. And I've given many, many lectures, and I've learned so much from my Chinese colleagues about social indicators. Because I was looking for indicators beyond the price system. And I had, oh, my gosh, all of these social indicators. So um, that's been my experience uh, in China. I haven't been there lately still have many, many friends there in many of the institutes. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, I started off by saying, um, okay, these are the world's two new superpowers. By a money-based GDP uh, standards, the U.S. economy is slightly bigger and by what we call purchasing power parity, PPP, China is bigger. China is the largest economy in the world. So we are, we now are entering this geopolitical stage in the 21st century where we have these two almost co-superpowers. Yes. And it's very interesting. What I look at in this article is the way their different value systems are trying to control markets. And I pointed out that um, trying to control the Wall Street high rollers – Mm-hmm. Um, where I use an example um, where a whole bunch of these Wall Street high rollers have given millions and millions of dollars to the election campaign of uh, what I think is a very bad Republican governor, the governor of my state, Ron DeSantis. And uh, he wants to be the new Trump. Mm -hmm. and to take over the Republican Party, which has completely lost its way. Um, It's become totally narcissistic, totally into money and power, you know, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So they're not interested in governing. Um, They're not interested in the common good. Uh, All it is is about power. How do we assemble power? And we're now learning um, a lot more every day about uh, January 6th that it wasn't just a one-off thing that sort of happened. It was planned with an enormous amount of money behind it, Republican money behind it. And the the group at the Willard Hotel, um, right after the election, began planning how they were going to um, overturn the result of the election and prevent a thing that's never happened in this country before, the peaceful transition of power. And so our democracy is in a very fragile state right now. Um, And so the media um, are are, are looking at all of the conflicts and all the rest of it. But I point out in the rest of my article, um, all of the ways that uh, China And it's common prosperity approach where you tell Jack Ma and uh, no, you're not going to be able to bring public. Sorry about that. And um, the guy who um, runs, uh, I think his name is Hui, who um, runs Evergrande, second richest man in China. No, that housing is for living in not for speculating, and uh, and so uh, it's very, very interesting. So I go through all of these contrasting value systems between China and the U.S., both focused on the same thing, how to control markets and greed and ego and to bring back the balance to the golden rule confucianism um, you know uh where we have to accept that we are one we are one on this planet. And, uh, and so we've got two competing consciousness, uh, groups. You know, I mean, mostly now in the U.S., which, U.S., they own the media. And that's why you're getting more and more about this, uh, conflict between China and the U.S. Um, it it's, uh, it it's doesn't have to be. Exactly. And, and so uh, I, I've i gotten responses from many of my Wall Street friends who manage billions of dollars. And one of them came back, and I quoted him in my article. He manages a couple of billion. Uh, and um, he said, well, look, we are cooperating with China on um, emissions uh, for climate change going going to uh the COP twenty six. We are cooperated we cooperated with China at the UN in twenty fifteen when we both agreed and every other com- country member agreed to the sustainable development goals, which is the reemergence of the golden rule. It's a holistic view of the fact that we are one. All of us, just one species. I mean, but the DNA says the same thing. You know, <laughs> can't deny it. We, we all actually have some Neanderthal genes. It, all a lot of people that would not like to hear that. They not like to hear that. Well, they wouldn't like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> let's have let's have a little humility. Um, let's understand how powerful our consciousness is, and how in a flash we can change it. And of course, my friend Bruce Lipton. You know this wonderful book that we are talking about today. Um, my friend Bruce Lipton. I remember reading his book, The Biology of Belief where he points out that the state of our consciousness and our belief can actually change the cells in our bodies. I mean, you know, I, uh, I, that's still one of my favorite books. But um, so it's all doable, and, and so what we need and what I try to do with my chapter in this wonderful book, The Dawn of an Era of Well-Being, um, is to lay out, there's something futurists do, we call it scenario building. And uh, so I just laid out the scenario um, of how we could actually have a harmonious society um, in in harmony with each other and in harmony with all the other species on which we rely on this planet. And so what we need now, I think, are more of these kind of uh, visionary scenarios. See, it's very easy uh, as our social media companies, you know, that we're talking about Facebook, but that's only one of them. Um, they make money by getting us angry and upset and fearful. That's how they make their money. And what we need um, is the uh is the uplifting inspiring and soothing images, you know, where we can take a deep breath and say, My gosh, um, what's wrong? with a different scenario. And and the thing that really is fun for me, because I have never called myself an economist. Many call me an anti-economist. I I am really a futurist. And scenario building now, uh, where you look at all of the alternative possibilities based on our levels of consciousness. Are we going to do business as usual and go down the drain? Or are we going to muddle through um, or are we going to adopt um, uh, a scenario which we know is achievable um, if we uh, accept that we are one? We are one species. And so, uh, so that's what my life has been about.
0: Thank you for joining us. Dawn of an Era of Well-Being is a co-production of the Laszlo Institute, Itia Institute, and Select Books. It's produced by Nora Cesar and Kenichi Sugihara, with theme music, Chimera, by Biba DuPont. The book, Dawn of an Era of Well-Being, co-authored by Irvin Laszlo and Frederick Saul, is available wherever books or e-books are sold. Please subscribe to Dawn of an Era of Well-Being, the podcast, on Apple or Spotify, for more fascinating guests and discussion. My name is Alison Goldwyn, founder and creative director of Synchronistry.com, a future party for the planet, broadcast live worldwide. Wishing you well-being till we talk again next week.